And joining us now to talk about these big developments is Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor under then-President Trump. He was advising, of course, the president and also the vice president at that time. He's also the co-chair of America First Policy Institute. Um, General, I have to get your reaction, first of all, to President Putin, what he said today. This is a big deal. Yeah, Rita. Well, look. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a significant uh, proclamation by Putin. It's sort of kind of what we thought he was going to do. At least I thought he was going to do, and he kind of measured up to what I, you know, he what I thought he'd do. And he's pretty aggressive, and and it's pretty. It's just unfortunate because I think we've gone into a new stage of uh, relations with Russia. I think we've gone back to a Cold War. In fact, I listened yesterday to President. Nanista of Finland, and he actually said that it's actually going to be a colder Cold War than before, and he's probably right. You know, it's it's really unfortunate. You know, look, Reed, I hate to say this, but I think it's it's good to sit back and reflect on what has actually happened here. You know, and this is for perspective. You know, back in uh, uh, 2014, right after the Olympics, uh, Putin took the Ukraine uh, from the Ukraine to Crimea. Vice President Biden was there at the time in the White House. And then you fast forward eight years, and after the Olympics, you've got Russia taking a huge part of uh, the eastern part of Ukraine, the Donbass region. Of course, President uh, Bush, uh, I'm sorry, President uh, Biden is sitting right there right now. And uh, and under President Trump, we didn't have that at all. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is uh, what Putin sees is weakness. And when he sees weakness, he strikes. I don't care where it is or who it is. He goes after him, and he thinks that the United States and NATO is a little bit weak right now. He says that about NATO because he keeps looking at NATO, and NATO is not fulfilling a lot of their obligations financially, which they said they would do under the Wales declarations, which is 2% of their GDP on defense. Only six nations, uh, one-third of the nations are doing that of the 30. The United States is spending about 3.5%. And then you look at what Germany's doing, and Germany's getting about 35 to 40% of their energy from Russia. So – Putin sees all this, and he sees a gap uh, in strength, and he goes for it, and he's doing that right now. And uh, we have now seen the emergence of a very, very aggressive authoritarian leader that is no friend to the United States. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are equating it to sort of almost the beginning of World War II, and you look at sort of what you know even Hitler was doing in 1938 uh, with Czechoslovakia. Uh, talk about sort of the comparisons, because it looks like we could be on the brink of war, obviously. Yeah, well, you are because in, you are because of miscalculations. And, you know, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So Article 5, an attack on one, an attack on all, is an attack on all that doesn't apply. But he's he's aggressively pushing out. And when I say about miscalculations, a lot of wars are fought by miscalculations. You make a mistake and then you're involved in combat. He is right now, he being Putin, is steering clear uh, of NATO. He's not pushing towards um, the Polish border a- at all, which is probably the, the greatest friction point uh, bordering Belarus right now. Um, he's not doing that, but he is pushing out pretty hard, and you don't know what's going to happen. And by the way, it's not just what, what might happen on land with Ukraine, is you've got air assets that could kind of run into each other. There are naval assets all over the place in the Mediterranean and the Black Sea that you can cause contact with or friction with. So everybody's going to have to be very agile and very aware of what's happening around their surroundings. 
because it, it only takes one accident. You know, I've seen war start that way, and once you get the genie of war out of a bottle, you know, it's tough to put it back in. So what do we do right now with Russia? And in fact, in the last few hours, uh, Putin has essentially told his forces to move into the separatist mm. regions, but he's saying this, General Kellogg, for, quote, peacekeeping. I mean, nobody thinks they're there for peacekeeping. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those, you know, if, if people believe what Putin is saying about peacekeeping, I have a great bridge to sell him in Brooklyn, you know, and <laughs> he's not he's not doing that at all. We know what he's doing. We know he's being very, very aggressive about it. We're, this is just the first step, in, and we're on a ladder of escalation, and let's see where this escalation goes. You asked what the United States could do. We, I'm one of those who doesn't believe in sanctions, and the reason I don't believe in sanctions, they take too long to bite, and there's so many ways to get around them. What I would do right now is you look at Putin, who really has a weak economy in Russia. And I would tell all of the European nations, look, um, you don't take any more energy from Russia. You just completely divorce yourself from taking that energy and kind of cold turkey it. Oh, by the way, that means the United States as well. You know, we take over 100,000 barrels of oil a day in from Russia, and, and we've just got to say no to that. Uh, thank you, Joe Biden, for kind of crushing our energy independence. But NATO needs to do that. Uh, the European alliance needs to do that. European Union needs to do that. That's the first steps you take. And then you can put the sanctions on as well. And then you just need to counter him in every place you can. And there'll be a lot of opportunities out there to counter him. But it's going to be one of those things where you almost have to do this day by day, event by event, and have to be very agile about doing it. Yeah. And you talked about sanctions. You know, a lot of people said, you know, if you were to do sanctions, even though I agree with you, it, Putin doesn't seem scared about sanctions from the West whatsoever. Um, but even if you were to do it, why do it after the fact? You didn't do anything. Clearly, everybody seems to think even if it is sanctions, it's too little too late. Well, I mean, part of that, Rita, I really believe this is we've made a, it's a fundamental flaw. I have said this repeatedly, you know, good strategic analysts and good advisors look through the lens of your enemy, through the opponent. We didn't do that. We kept thinking it was all going to be happy to glad. And I said repeatedly, you, if you can look through not only your lens, but through the lens of your adversary, you will know what he's going to do and, and how you can react to that. That is a fatal flaw that a lot of people, and a lot of governments make. And we did that. We didn't think he was really serious. You know, when you look at his proclamations and what he said and what he's written and, and what he's, his speeches, this was so obvious this is what he was going to do. And everybody kind of said, oh, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. But yeah, he is. And he did it. And we made a huge – we, the West, made a huge mistake of, of underplaying it. You know, one thing about Trump – remember, this didn't happen for four years under Trump. And part of the reason for that is – Trump would pick up the phone and call old Vladimir and talk to him a few times and, and push back really hard and would show strength to Putin when he needed to show strength to him. I remember the first time we ever fired uh, Tomahawk land attack missiles into Syria after uh, Assad used uh, sarin nerve gas on some of the Syrian population. The airfield that we hit was also occupied by Russians, and, and we knew that, and we didn't care. And we told Putin later you know, we're going to shoot at you. If you're there, we're going to come after you. You make a mistake. So don't do that. We did it a few years later also in northern Syria when we killed about 200 uh, uh, mercenaries that came out of the Wagner Group, which is a Russian mercenary group. And when they said they weren't involved in contact with Americans, they were. 
So we killed a lot of them, and we told Putin later, we told you not to do it, you did it, and you're going to pay the price. And the president would pick up the phone and tell Putin that. Now, Putin may not have liked it, but I think he respected that. And I don't believe he respects this administration. And I think a large part of that is because of what he saw happen in Afghanistan. Yeah, and in fact, do me a favor, uh, General Kellogg, stay with us. We're going to go to a quick break. I want to have more with you exactly about that point right after the break. And everybody, we are continuing now our discussion with General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor under then-President Trump, also worked with Vice President Pence as well. He's also the co-chair of America First Policy Institute. General Kellogg, um, you know, we were talking about Afghanistan, sort of the weakness and the disastrous withdrawal. How much do you think what's happening right now with President Putin that he saw sort of a green light, that he smelled weakness because of the way we handle that and other foreign policy matters? Yeah, Rita, I think he saw that, but then it was uh, compounded by the fact that President Biden said two things. He, he talked about a limited incursion being okay. Remember he said that in a press conference? And yes. then he said, we're not going to put any U.S. troops on the ground uh, inside Ukraine, which is a good call. But you leave some strategic ambiguity there. You never say exactly what you're going to do or not going to do. But you leave the other side guessing. Well, he didn't leave. Putin, any guesswork at all. He said, this is not going to happen. And kind of now what you do, what are you going to do? And if you, if you look at about the comment that came out of the White House this afternoon, it's kind of a pretty weak comment. Uh, this is one of those where if you're President Biden, you bring everybody together tonight if you had to on a giant a secure VTC call out of the Situation Room, and you talk to all your NATO alliance, and you start talking to them and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is what we need to do. You don't see that happening. Look, when Putin said he was going to uh, take over the Donbass region today, who did he call? He called Chancellor Schultz of Germany. He called President Macron uh, of France. Who did he not call? Didn't call Joe Biden. That, that kind of sends a message. Now, I know why he did it. Because they were both part of what's called the Normandy format, which is that they were supposed to solve this problem in the Donbass region, uh, and they didn't do it under the Minsk Accord, so he called them. But he, he didn't pick up the phone and call, uh, you know, the other adversary, the United States of America, just ignored it. And kind of, he kind of set a subtle message on that one. You know, you that's a great point, because you're right, he didn't call him. And then we saw Kamala Harris over in Munich over the weekend. And she just there wasn't anything, I think, where people were listening that said, gosh, that's going to really scare Putin. I didn't hear anything. And meanwhile, you saw President Zelensky of Ukraine pleading, please take some action now. Please take action now. And here we are. Yeah. You know, I, I would ask people to be very objective about this. Play back what Vice President Harris said in Munich. And um, if you can understand what she said, please tell me, you know, write it to me. Yeah, I was going to say, was she the person to be deciding diplomacy, General? I mean, it didn't seem like she's the one to be uh, figuring out world, you know, world borders when she can't even figure out our own border. Yeah, well, that's one of those where she was supposed to be handling the Ukraine crisis. I said, dear God, don't give her any more control or any more crises that we have. We really got a problem you know, going forward, you know, and then she just doesn't do smart things. And I just just saw just in the last hour the fact that the the American ambassador to Germany, our ambassador, wanted to ride back to D.C. from her on Air Force Two, and they wouldn't even give her a seat on Air Force Two. 
That would never happen under Vice President Pence. You know, if an ambassador wanted a ride going somewhere, somebody from our team would have been kicked off the airplane. <laughs> I said, what is everybody doing here? It makes no sense to me. You know, I have to ask you, speaking of sense, because how we got to this moment, because we may feel it at the gas pumps as a result of this. And much of this is this, as you just talked about before, it's this energy independence move from there to energy dependence. You saw it with President Trump. You were right there. He very much saw energy independence in America as leverage, um, as, as a chit, as something that could be used as force and a message to people like President Putin. Here we are, President Biden, you know, cancels the Keystone Pipeline, uh, as you talked about. Also, you know, we're relying on Russian oil. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I think the next time somebody goes to fill up their car with gas and you look at the price, I hope they say to themselves, I'll take mean tweets right now. Thank you very much. Because this is what happened. We said this was going to happen and happened. We were energy independent. We were an exporter of energy as well, and now look where we're at. And now I'm around, I don't know about your neighborhood, but I just saw $4.75 gas. And my brother, who happens to live in California, says, don't talk to me about gas prices. It's $7 out here. So here we go. Wow, scary times. And again, it didn't have to be this way. And boy, as you talk about, talk about different leadership under President Trump than what we're seeing now, right, General? Absolutely, Rita. I mean, I, I say that, and I'm, I'm sure some people will say, oh, well, you know, he's a Trump guy, and this is what he's saying. No, I said, look, just look at what's happened for perspective and think your way through it and then ask yourself the hard question, what caused this to happen? And I, I believe a lot of this is because of leadership and the lack thereof. Scary times ahead, boy, and it could be very, very dangerous. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We so appreciate your insight. General Keith Kellogg, thank you so much for being here on The Rita Cosby Show. Thanks, Rita. Thanks for having me. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.